bottom of the smash mountain season two episode five the cycle of melee welcome to the podcast i'm jesse and you're the listener the listeners thank you so much for joining me today we have wasabi of the wannabes podcast and this is a great conversation so i'm happy you're here let's not wait any longer and listen to the interview why is it so quiet oh right transition here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm so happy to be joined by Wasabi of the Wannabes podcast and more, and we'll get onto all that, but Wasabi, thank you so much for being here with me. Yo, what's up, Cypher? Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming, and I know we have to reschedule a few times, but I'm really excited for this conversation. Me too. To the uh, idea of needing to reschedule a few times, that's all fine and well. I didn't get my feelings hurt. It was funny that JD, I think, was the first official Smash-related, Melee-related person that I had on in Season 1, and I was so excited. I thought, this is, I could probably just die happy now, and then you said, oh, I'll come on when I have a chance to, and I was like, oh, sweet. So it's finally here, and I'm so happy that you were able to make the time to come on. You have definitely been busy, but before we talk about present-day stuff, I wanted to start with your origin story, if that's all right with you, to talk about when Melee first became a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to get into it. So... I, I feel like I kind of was like a late bloomer in in Melee in terms of like age-wise. Like I, I loved the game as a kid and stuff like that. But actually in in high school and start of college, I was mostly, uh, I was pretty much like more tryharding on like actual sports. Like uh, I was really into rowing in high school and I was, and I got into rugby in college. But um, I, I honestly picked up Melee around the time the documentary dropped, the first one uh when was that like end of 20 yeah it had to be yeah end of 2014 roughly and when the first doc dropped uh like around then it was like still within like it dropped like a i think it dropped in 2013 so yeah it was about like a year and a half after it dropped um i probably first discovered it around end of 2014 and it wasn't honestly because of the doc it was actually, I have this kind of running joke that I got into Melee because of Chipotle. Uh, and I'll elaborate. Essentially, my school, uh, well, I was actually first injured. I had a knee injury with rugby, and so I wasn't really at practice much. And I was just, I noticed a flyer that said, Charity Smash Bros. Melee Tournament. Uh, and then in, in bigger font, free Chipotle, if you came. And so let's go. Yeah. So, you know, as a college kid, why wouldn't I go to that? You know, I love the game growing up. And so I went, honestly, not because of the melee, but because of the free Chipotle (laughs) sign and advertisement. And then and then, you know, got whooped. But there was one guy who a lot of New York City people will know from the Neb scene called B3N. And he was actually a friend of mine. We were lab partners and uh he knew how to stop me and and he actually knew about the scene and and knew how to wave dash and l cancel and all of that and so he started uh playing with me more and and kind of showing me the ropes and that's kind of how i got hooked into melee and honestly it was love it for a sight pretty much where i was i had a knee injury and then while i was recovering just kept on playing melee while doing my studies and stuff like that and then by the time my knee injury healed um 
I decided to kind of drop rugby for to go super try hard in in melee, and that was like probably at the end of 2014. And you were still in school at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, I was in my junior year. And so, what's really cool is I hear about this enough from other people who've talked about their beginning experiences with melee when it comes to college it's either the idea that you're rooming with or living in a house with a bunch of other students who are also getting into melee and then you just sort of develop that community right within there or you find a community nearby that doesn't necessarily have to do with the college connection or maybe you can combine it but what what do you think was the bigger thing once you got to the point where you're starting to be able to do some advanced techniques yourself. Maybe you're starting to take some games off of B3N, which, you know, I'm not going to say that was the... <laughs> Look, B3N is probably a super sick player too, but you get it. You were starting to improve at a certain point. What was drawing you back in more after you started to feel like you were starting to win some games? Was it the thrill of saying, I could I could push for ranked, or were you even not thinking that far yet? Honestly, it's interesting because I know that's a common story, but uh, when I really say love at first sight, I, I remember seeing him play like that. And my first reaction was like, that's sick. I could probably do that too. And how, how do I do it? And so once I kind of dove into it, I've, I've been very, I'm a very kind of like all or nothing type of person. So I kind of was aiming to be the best in my college uh since I kind of saw the game and stuff like that, it wasn't like I was like, it kind of like kind of grew on me. I saw it for the first time after years of, you know, playing Roy and Firefoxing directly at people in middle school <laughs> and uh, was like, let's try to get really good at this. And and that was really it. Like at first sight, that was my first thought. And it was partially because like I always felt and and maybe it's a little bit of a mentality chip on my shoulder where I always felt like I kind of got super close with things and then was super try hard with things but just missed the mark on it so like I, I kind of have this self story of you know being kind of the fifth best rower for a four person boat you know uh, which was happening in high school or being like just missing out on varsity for or the like the main team for rugby you know and kind of captaining the more the the JV team for rugby and so I kind of just always missed the mark and and I kind of was like fed up with that. I'm like pretty, I would say like average built being like five, nine and stuff like that. So I was just like, what about, what about melee? What about video games? I always loved video games growing up. What about this? And so I kind of just set in my head, let's try to get really, really good at that. And there was no school rankings yet. Uh, I was the one who started the smash club, actually uh, B3N, you know, reign King for, for a while and, uh, but, you know, I was the one that kind of that made it a club and kind of recruited people and got people going and smashing my college. But it honestly took me a really long time to become number one at, at Hamilton College in this small liberal arts school in upstate New York where, uh, you know, I never usurped B3N, actually. He was always one till number one till he graduated. And then for a brief time, uh, this one of my good friends, a uh, puff player named JDV, uh, was above me as well and, and we had some weird challenge PR system so it was a little bit janky but we didn't know any better and uh, but it took me a while actually it took me probably till the 
the first semester of my senior year to kind of become outright the number one in in school. So it was always something that I like had to work on. I, I don't think I was like really that naturally attuned to the game or like, you know, anything like that. I, I remember having to like make conscious decisions to practice and wake up a little bit early before class to like get some grind sessions in and to travel to tournaments and to like really, really uh, make conscious decisions to improve. So like I carried around a recording setup in my bag and I like had like two notebooks really early on in my Smash career. And honestly, it took me a really, really long time to get number one. But when I did, I definitely, uh, I definitely cried. That, that hey, look, there's no shame in that. I was trying to say three things at once, and I landed on that. So sorry about the <laughs> hezzy, but I wanted to congratulate you on making number one for Hamilton. That's cool. I also wanted to t to say that it sounded like you trying to make it as intentional as possible was part of your motivation you thought this game isn't coming to me naturally in the way that watching the documentary someone like mango called the natural seemed to sort of come to him as compared to needing to do active super thoughtful decisions even though we all know that mango is someone who thinks about the game very much but yeah. all that to say what was one of the big motivations for you i we're going to have to talk about this, so now might as well be a good time. You are very much into anime. Did you see yourself as that protagonist? Is that what helped you motivate? What was in the early days of trying to make number one and then finally getting to it, what was the big motivation for you? Was it the number one spot or what kept you playing and grinding and practicing and notebooking? Yeah, good question. I am a big fan of anime, and and you know sporn in uh i said sporn in i was trying to say sports and shonen that's embarrassing uh but uh yes i, I love anime of, of all types and, and mangas and stuff like that so yeah i've always been uh very uh how do i phrase it invested and drawn to like the hero's journey and and really what it would be like to be like reaching the top of of something you know just missing my mark with with rowing and in in rugby and stuff like that and so honestly like i thought you know while i say melee was love at first sight i think looking back at my year so far it honestly could have been anything and it was more like fate that it ended up and luck that it ended up being melee it could have been another fighting game it could have been a completely different sport or anything like that uh but it happened to be melee at the time and place where I needed it probably most in my life. And I think what kept on drawing me back on top of that motivation is kind of one, an insecurity truthfully of uh, believing that I didn't really have a lot of talent in the game where uh, it's something I still wrestle with today, honestly, but I have a little bit, I think more of a holistic view of it. And I know my strengths and weaknesses and, and, and that but but definitely i was a little bit more naive and and more black and white when i was a little bit younger and then also so knowing that i needed to work hard if i wanted to get anywhere and and that was sort of my driving force on top of you know melee came at a time where i realized i didn't want to be a doctor and 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 i was pre-med for most of my life since end of middle school and that was a really dark time for me honestly and and kind of not having anything to anchor me because you know for the last what is it like 
six years, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And all the actions I did was purposeful to be that. And so to have that kind of that hole in in me uh, appear at the time where I first discovered Melee, Melee quickly kind of filled the gap and, and, and taught me a lot about myself and not in a way that just built confidence, but also in a way that taught me how to like, how best do I learn? What am I really good at? What are like some of the things that I can, what are the, some of the things that I truly like believe in myself and like how I function rather than thinking like, well, I see other people do it like this. So I'll try it like that and having it not working. So it was a mix of like, uh, insecurity, I'd say love, you know, just dedication and like finding the game and the interaction really cool and being nerdy about it. And, and also just like the time and place where kind of that, that gap in, in what do I do with my life kind of opened up. It must've been a hard decision for you to go from saying I've spent six years and probably more of my life envisioning myself of ending up here. And then that's not what happens. It's one of the first lessons of the idea where it's not a story like we're used to seeing in media. And it's not like other people's lives that we imagine to be when we read about people who are successful in a field like the Steve Jobses of the world as a, mm -hmm. as a child or, or as a younger person, you sort of go, it was a linear path to getting to anywhere that has any sort of meaning for one's life. But then you, you mature and you learn those lessons yourself. And then you also find out people like Steve Jobs didn't just get to making iPhones and being super successful from the start. If I recall correctly, he was fired mainly like at yeah, least he, once or twice from Apple before finally yeah. sticking the landing. Yeah. Yeah. He was fired from his own company and then brought back from his old company. So crazy for sure. Yeah. And Melee so, taught me about life and, and, and myself. And, and that's probably one of the largest forces of why it, it has such a profound, you know, effect on me to this day. That's really cool to hear about. I wanted to ask about, when you get out of college and now you're in the workforce, if you will, you're adulting now, mm -hmm. you're still trying to enter in events and, and make things happen. Is this all still in upstate New York or where are you at post-college? Yeah, yeah. I actually started working a week after I graduated in, in New York City. Ooh, let's um, go. Yeah, and so that was my kind of upstate as anyone who's been upstate or has lived there for a prolonged period of time it's a, it's a really tough smash scene it's a large area to cover geographically and so everyone's spread around like jay mook and i are upstate new york and we're three hours away for context same with jd and stuff like that and ibdw um so it, you know going to new york was like kind of going to one of the meccas of of melee you know at the time, it being New York, Boston, parts of the Midwest, and then NorCal, SoCal, and Florida. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of where I was like, this is my kind of chance to kind of experience everything. And while balancing kind of my first job and, and other stuff like relationships and stuff like that, like I really put my heart and soul into making sure I like went to Nebs and always had people over. And once I moved to New York officially, 
you know, I think I had a fest like every day of the week. Like people would come in and out of of my apartment as if it was like a hotel, honestly. And and I kind of had that sort of schedule where it was, you know, friendlies and and stuff like that. And then nebs twice a week and then maybe traveling on the weekends to Connecticut or Jersey uh, or Westchester, New York and stuff like that. And and really put my heart and soul into it. And, and for a long time, honestly, I didn't see a lot of results coming in. I was getting better, but you know, I, I always say round three of winners round three of nebs is so impossibly tough because you're either going to have to play an almost PR player like just Jason, or you're going to play like someone like Slocks or Ryobi. And, and that's really was the wall that was, was in the New York scene scene. Um, but somewhere along the way, uh, Beerman, who is a very old school player, amazing teacher, formerly known as Lamb Chops, uh, saw me play. Um, I remember it really well. It was at a Smash Corner, which was a tournament that Smuckers run. And I lost, I beat just Jason game five and I lost to Smuckers game five. And he kind of came up to me and kind of just was like, you know, let me take you under my wing. I'll kind of teach you the ropes and stuff like that. And since then, you know, Beer Man's been a profound influence and, and friend to me, uh, both helping me with my game, but also instilling a lot of confidence and stuff like that in myself in a time where, you know, I wasn't really even seeing a lot of results. And and truthfully, I didn't see a lot of results in, in Melee till I would say the summer of... 2019 like i've had some good results here and there but it wasn't like i was consistently beating the pr players uh and stuff like that and it was, it was almost like i remember beer man distinctly telling me like hey like you don't worry you're a good player just focus on beating me first and then the other ones will come easy and so he kind of helped uh carry the burden of you know kind of having that mentality chip on my shoulder and security that I was kind of talking about earlier uh, in my like middle years of, of Melee and help keep my head down to keep working. Because like the work ethic was there, but but it really was more of like a putting the reps in and, and kind of more mentality stuff. Right, because it's not just a matter of a work ethic is only able to take you so far if the mentality is not there, burnout is real and knowing how to value yourself, all those sort of lessons you're saying and giving credit to to Beer Man for helping you get to that spot, that's really cool to hear. How would you say, and this is just me because asking because I, I wouldn't know myself per se, when someone comes up to you and says, let me show you the ways of the force. Uh, for me, I would go, I don't know you, or even if I did know them, I would go, I'm, I'm not sure. Like for you, was it sort of a, Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's get into that. Like right now, you're coming over to play some friendlies, right? Or, or was it a slower process at first? No, no. It was kind of like for he said it, and I was like, "Word," you know. Like I wanted to play with as many good players as possible, and he was kind of the first one before a lot of people knew me in New York. Uh, and I, I developed like a really strong friendship with a lot of the New York peeps and the Long Island homies and and the NJ crew. You know, he was kind of one of the first top players, PR players, to really be like, hey, like, play me. I, I see some potential in you. And so I, I lashed on, you know, as much as I could. And 
and, and that was really it, you know, like we would, you know, he would come over to my place, like sometimes like three, four times a week, he would crash over there for like overnight even and stuff like that. And, you know, he, beer man, you know, it's hard to explain his demeanor and, and how he is. He's kind of this best way I can describe it is this like somewhat crazy mythical hermit, you know, like wanderer of a man, you know, he's goofy and he's fun and, uh, but he, he, he's wise too, I would say. And, uh, but yeah, like once he did that, I, I it was immediately like, yeah, sure. Like, let's do it, you know? And so he was always going to be the, he was the first one to kind of take me under his wing before, you know, I started playing with Smuckers and Ryobeat and Hacks and Rishi and all those guys. But that's still really cool to hear about. After you've been playing long enough, what were the sort of the events that you would look forward to more? A local, the sort of weekly events, or would it just be the Smash Fest that you would hold at your own place where it's going to be a little bit bigger tonight as compared to other nights? Majors, or was it regionals? Those sort of The sort of question of being, would you kind of look at everything differently, or were you just thinking, it's a bracket, I'm going to compete? I think it was always like, it's it's bracket, it's time to compete. You know, I kind of always think of it like as if like friendlies and sessions um, are are like prepping for a test, and and bracket is kind of taking the that test. You know, you can't you don't really learn much in bracket. You kind of just can see what you've kind of absorbed or worked on, and and how much farther you have to go, and what more you need to work on. Um, I always look forward to to locals and events, you know. <clears throat> I think that like it didn't really matter. Like I obviously loved majors and stuff like that. Um and there I have a lot of fond memories of of some runs and stuff like that. Uh but it was always just about seeing how good I could get and challenging myself, you know, even back in locals, you know, after bracket I'd be screaming for money matches and and having my recording set up and, and that didn't change whether it was a local regional or, or, or major, you know, I kind of built a reputation of kind of just being that guy with the recording set up asking for money matches. That's awesome. And did you, were you one of the early users of project slippy? Because I vaguely heard about it when they were first saying, Hey, you know, we can auto record matches, even the ones that happen in bracket, you can still, push it through the Nintendo Wii and magical, magical programming and bam, you can have recorded matches or were you just sticking with the tried and true recording setup that you had been using for so long? Uh, definitely the latter. I I'm really bad at windows type stuff, uh, as a lot of my friends know me for. And so I, I kind of tried to stay away for it until Hax's nightclub where, you know, I couldn't just plug in my Elgato anymore and my Mac. You know, my recording setup was just a simple, you know, my laptop with an Elgato capture card, and and that was it. So it was it was simple and quick. Uh, so I always preferred that method. Makes sense. And we've gotten to the point, 2019. There were wannabes podcast episodes dropping. So I want to hear your your version of of meeting of meeting JD and how. Well, you don't have to go over the entire origin story of how wannabes came to be exactly, but when when were you first in the peripheral of each other is probably a, a way to ask. Yeah, I mean, 
Uh, probably back in 2018, I made a really, really concerted effort to travel to a lot of majors. I actually remember over the summer, I think there were six weeks in a row. And ironically, it, it matched up with JD just at different locations, but uh, timeline-wise. But there were six weeks in a row where I actually was at a major or a big regional event. Six weeks in a row. It went like super, you know, it was like super smash con into the Tri-State Invitational, into super nebs, into shine into super nebs again into like a giga hog or something like that uh so that was a ridiculous time of of this of the summer of smash honestly but i started seeing jd at majors and we've always kind of hit it off but he was always kind of that friend where it's like you run into the hallway and you have a good time and then but you have no classes together so when you don't see each other it's like oh okay you know it's whatever you know and you don't really follow up with each other uh, and eventually he, he made this like really, you know, like salty tweet. I, I know he's talked about it openly about, uh, Ludwig's start of rise to fame. Obviously now his fame has more than even tripled <laughs> what it was back then. Uh, you know, it's, ex it's exponential at that, this point, but, you know, I talked to him and then calmed him down a little bit and, and just let him vent, you know, just was a friend to him. And I was like, Hey, you know, we should record this. You know, like what, what's what is there to lose, uh, and that's kind of how the wannabes started, and and it just really was like that, just this idea of like, hey, this phone conversation should have been recorded, why not try it? I love that the wannabes podcast, very very inspiring to me, and you know this, I've said this on the wannabes Discord, which by the way is hopping, so anyone listening, feel free to hop on. I wanted to. But I did want to say thank you because any chance that I get, I'm I'm going to say it. I really appreciate and I'm thankful for the, for finding the wannabes. I, I don't even know how. I think it was somehow during the five days of Melee back in December. Somehow that happened. But mm -hmm. listening to you and JD talk and making uh, not like a it is sort of that first call a little bit reminiscent of that every, every time where you're not just talking about melee or what's going on. That's part of it, but also talking to each other as friends and talking about personal things, not to go super, super deep at all times, not in a performative way either. To me, it feels very genuine, feels very real. And it just made it sound so much more possible for me to try something for myself. So it's thanks to you and JD that I thought I could I could actually try this. So thank you, Wasabi. I really do appreciate that. Ah, uh, thanks. Yeah, no, and and you're doing killer things with this podcast. It always brings a smile to me to know kind of your your origin story as well with the podcast. So I it, it's really humbling and and I'm honored. But but thank you. And now you've you've gotten to the point where. It's 2019 going into 2020. You're you're starting to take those games and take yeah. some names, like you said. And the start of 2020 probably was more of an upbeat start for you. I'll let you speak to it. And when the pandemic hits back in March of last year, but just take me through the beginning of, of 2020 and where you were at with Melee and, and things back then. Yeah, yeah. I think um, as I as, as I alluded earlier, really it was that that summer of 2019 where kind of things started to click, and there were small moments I remember that ha have left a lot of profound influence on, on on what I think about the game now. You know, and 
some of it I think was like when I was a lot younger, I wanted to, uh, before I get into the actual details, like, uh, you know, when I was a lot younger, I think I wanted at some point, even with beer man's guidance, wanted people to believe that I was a good player rather than just knowing that I was a good player and, and believing that. And, and so it was almost like I wanted to be perceived as good rather than being, you know, factually a good player. And, and kind of the moment that kind of flipped the switch for me was this New Jersey tournament in that summer where I, I it was a Thursday night. I just finished work. Dark Genix texts me, you know, one of the biggest homies in New York, uh, texts me. was like, hey, we're going to Jersey. Uh, it's you, me, Guava, Hacks. You want to come? And I was like, yeah, let's go. Hop in a Uber with him. Go to Jersey for a tournament. I got knocked out early by the Asian one, I think in round three. Uh, I always lose to the Asian one in winners. Uh, it's 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 a bit of a curse, and and then I kind of just run the bracket, and and I beat most of I beat all of the NJ players at the time that were entered, including the run back with the Asian one, but players like Acidics and uh, I think Wally also definitely Tempo and Itai as well, and actually met up with Hacks at, in Grand Finals. Uh, side note is Hacks that tournament famously didn't stand up from the setup. He played every match in the same in the same spot without standing up. I asked him if we could go to another setup where my recording setup was, and he said, you know, jokingly as a friend, no, to kind of complete the meme. So that was really funny. And uh, after that, you know, we, we had a talk, and, and, you know, it was kind of the first time where I kind of made that sort of run, and... Uh, and I remember sitting there in the Uber ride back uh, and, and wanting to like make a big tweet about it and deciding instead to like kind of just let it stay, you know, in the dark, keep it quiet. And I only I remember t- told my girlfriend Pilar and, and JD about it. And, and that was it. And that was kind of like the switch. And sort of after that, I kind of started rank like getting more, you know, claiming more and more wins and names and stuff like that. And going into 2020 was pretty positive where I, uh, you know, it kicked off with like, you know, Hax's nightclub and, and doing well at that. And, you know, and Genesis and making that three stock comeback on Wizzy and doing, uh, getting fifth at small four, I think from losers uh, and losing to J Mook that uh, for fifth place. And um, and and one of my favorite runs, which is uh, Hacks Nightclub, where I beat, I lost to, I beat JD for the first time, <laughs> lost to Kata, and then beat Vortex and Big Kid, and lost the game five to Smuckers for fourth, and and that's kind of how it was running up before the pandemic hit, and then the pandemic hit, and you know I was was 14th in in the hnc season one pr which was arguably new york um and i was pretty happy about that and and then since the pandemic hit it was more of just trying to figure out more life stuff what was happening you know like where i would be and what job i would do because i was furloughed and then and then let go and then you know kind of just figuring out that stuff so i'm still kind of in the process of that but but now in norcal um and and somehow along the way where I didn't have net play or anything uh, at the end of 2020, uh, because I love the game so much, I just was like, why don't I just pick up the box for fun? Uh, 
not for any hand pain reasons. And while I curse myself sometimes for it, uh, it's a decision that I'm sticking to. Uh, and it's it's been a really fun process relearning that, but definitely frustrating also. Yes. And to anyone who wants to hear all the details and more, that's what the Wannabes podcast is for. I don't want to steal all the thunder <laughs> and all the all the juice, if you will. But it's it's interesting to hear about how this was 2014 where you were starting to go, all right, let's play. Let's do some tournaments. Let's start grinding. And it does take a while. For the players that I've talked to, it just seems to be the theme where nothing happens in six months or even two years. It takes, normally, it takes a while for things to start to click and a lot of experience in playing melee and getting dunked on. And then finally, you can start dunking on people. When you were talking about three-stock comeback versus Wizzy, that's Wizrobe, okay? To anyone <laughs> who didn't catch that, that that's that Wizrobe, the one who's in the Slippy Champions League 2 in Division 1 Wizrobe. You get it. That's really, really cool. And then what besides the fact that you didn't have net play at first during during the i guess the first half of the pandemic it wasn't until towards the fall of last year that you got net play when you were trying out the box was it sort of just a eh i'll just do it i guess or was it maybe perhaps reading about or watching someone i guess specifically hacks since that's the person who who's come up with the box but Go, and then thinking to yourself, uh, you know what, maybe I'll just try it because I can do that instead of worrying about the fact that I don't have net play and that I can't play with other people right now. Yeah, I think it was a it was a mix of things. And, and again, I think that's where I think in my younger years, it felt like I had to honestly, uh, it you know, it's funny enough that I, I said this to myself where I was like, I want to get top 100 before I kind of move on with my career and stuff like that. And and now I'm kind of more like, you know, I, I can still aim for top 100 and more, but I, I still deserve to further my own career and my own personal life. And I don't have to pause anything. Uh, but tangent, that tangent aside, uh, yeah, at, at the time, I think I'm saying that because at, at the time when I decided to pick up the box, I, I fully knew well, like I had a lot of experience watching the box. Um, Axe was uh, honestly a regular training partner uh, in the early 2020, late 2019 era of, of my career where I would go to this place like arguably once or twice a week. We'd play from like 6, you know, 6 p.m. to like 11 p.m. And then I'd take an Uber back home uh, and stuff like that. And so I kind of fully knew well like what the box could and, and couldn't do. Um, but really the reason I picked it up was... Because I tried to pick up other games, you know, whether it was Hades, and I super went into that and kind of was is the only game that I really tried to complete, complete in terms of achieve, all the achievements. I've never really been a completionist, but there was no other game that really stuck and and gave me that sort of joy in life of of improvement. And and again, being let go because of the pandemic is is something that a lot of people have experienced. And it was a hard time. And, and you know, similar to when I didn't want to be a doctor again, I kind of was like, oh, man, like, this is why this is where I need melee in my life. And that's why I kind of changed my mentality recently of like, 
it's not, you know, I'll see how far I go with melee and then continue on with my life and, and drop melee. It's melee is going to be a continuous thing for me, both because I love the game, but also because it's a really healthy outlet for me. And I was like, if I can't, if I can't play slippy and I'm not too motivated to really practice on my regular controller and, and stuff like that, what is the funnest thing right now that will kind of keep me playing this game that I absolutely want to keep playing? And the answer that just came to me was to pick up the box. And 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 that was really the decision behind it. And now you have the net play rolling on. I believe, if I hear pr- correctly in the Wannabes podcast, you have the fiber, so you can have a super have, nice connection with... Yeah people not just in NorCal but also most of the most of the country it depends on the connection of the other person but you can definitely do west coast stuff and and pretty much it feels about as good as a connection can feel yeah and yeah I play people on the east coast all the time that's really really cool and what's awesome is that you get to do little things I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to ask about Shipping and handling, which was a grudge match between you and Big Schmoke, who yeah, yeah, came yeah. on, friend of the program. Shout outs to Big Schmoke, aka Doodle Dooster. And you sort of just demolished him, honestly, when when the match <laughs> did happen. It was for it was for the rights to your it was your secondary GameCube controller. It was really nice, notched and everything. Yep, and yep. Big Schmoke was like, oh, okay, I'll do that. And if I beat you, I get that at a discounted rate or I make you free artwork. Well, you are in the process of getting free artwork from Big Schmoke. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. And so and so you've gotten to do little you gotten to do little things like that. And you've also gotten to start competing again uh somewhat recently. I guess my question is ha- what has been more fun to you, being able to just play sessions with people online and not recreate the old feeling of back in the day where you're on the same setup sitting next to each other in the same room it, it's probably not that perfect recreation but is has it that been along the lines of what you've been talking about making melee a healthy outlet for you and have you enjoyed competing more or or the the sessions and friendlies more um i think that's a, it's a it's a good question and a very complex answer i think oh yes that- of course take your time no, no, no worries. I think that honestly, I've really enjoyed and I felt, you know, uh, moments of of return of a return to form on the box while while it still is inconsistent. So I definitely have more fun in friendly sessions and stuff like that. Um, definitely miss the IRL experience with the homies and and all of that. Um, but. At heart, I think I also realized over the years I just love competition, and uh, and and I really it's all to get back into that return of form in tournament, and 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 it is that is still my ultimate goal, you know, um, and and it, I'm slowly building up to that. I'm currently at the point where uh, it's quite frustrating uh, because you know. Tournament melee and friendly melees are, are two very different things. The styles of players differ depending on the player, and, and the atmosphere is way less tense. And so I find myself now entering tournaments and really underperforming similar to, you know, arguably me back in like 2017 
you know, and, it, and it's quite frustrating, you know, I, uh, but it's just part of the process. And I think that there's no way that I would like stop entering tournaments, you know, while it's frustrating and, and, and stuff like that, I'm, I, I'm a, definitely a competitor at heart. And, and I just love that sort of thrill and, and challenge. Um, but I'm far from it, far from being my old self or getting close to my old self uh, back in early 2020 uh, with the box. And so it's, it's, it's frustrating, but it's, it's, uh, I kind of believe in the decision I made. So I'm, I'm just going to kind of lie in my bed for it and, and just keep my head down because I've done it once with a GameCube controller. So I probably can do it with the box too. Uh, you, well, you probably already knew this. Spoiler alert! I'm a big believer in you, Wasabi. So let's go, and <laughs> thank you. You will, you will just hopefully continue to enjoy, in in a sense, enjoy the the more serious sessions where you're you're doing you're trying to do active decision making of improving at a certain thing, and continuing to try to learn a matchup, continuing to get more and more comfortable on the box. Because, like you said, that 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 is certainly not an overnight decision making process. I can only imagine. I, I wouldn't know. I haven't tried a box style controller myself, mm. but I wanted to also just say that with with where you seem to be mentality wise as as it concerns to to playing melee, it, it does seem to be a good mix of I'm playing to have fun and we're having fun and I'm continuing to get used to this box style controller and also doing the sweaty melee where you're you're in bracket and going, I really want to see all of the things that I've been working on and taking lessons on. Oh, by the way, shout out to Drugged Fox. You are a legendary student of Drugged Fox. That's really, really cool. Yeah, and he helped me a lot with my game. Everyone oh, yes. should sub to his Patreon for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. You're doing, I think you're doing all the things that will hopefully one day leading to everyone in the Wannabes Discord popping off for you. So it it's not going to be that that fast, immediate results thing that most of us gen z millennial younger people i guess really like to have the immediate gratification but i really respect the 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 grind that you put yourself on despite everything else and maybe in spite of everything oh i don't even know how to phrase that but <laughs> it's sort of like it's sort of like working both ways for you you use it as motivation but it's also something that like you have said while we've been talking here it's something that you fall back on as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that's the the thing also that a lot of melee players don't really talk about, right? And and part of why the wannabes started was that the documentation, uh, players only really get the spotlight once they're on the verge of top 100, if not top 100 already, you know? But no one really documents the, that sort of struggle to even get there. And, and that's really what JD and I, among just like, you know, two friends kind of talking on the couch over some bruise uh, vibe, you know, that's really what we're going for, for the wannabes. But I was going to say is, is people don't really talk about like facing their, their demons too much, I think. And, and the thing is, is like, I, I, I talk as if like, I, I hope it's not, I'm talking as if I've overcome a lot of these insecurities and stuff like that. You know, it's a cycle. It comes back in, in different ways, in a different form, slightly different, different enough to throw you off again. And I think that's really why I love Melee, because it's not just about uh, competition with others, which 
but it's also a competition against yourself a lot of the time. And I think they're overcoming that each time has been rewarding in, in a lot of sense. Uh, but knowing full well that you're never honestly uh, out of the woods ever from it. Um, yeah, I think that that's really it. I think like, especially with like the early years, a lot of the things I, I told myself then I, I'm realizing I'm telling myself again now. And, and one of the biggest things I think is uh, two things. Uh, I always said, I think back in 2017, 2018, it's not a question of if, but when. And, and I think that, you know, you were remarking about, you know, Gen Z kind of wanting everything immediately. And I, I don't want to stereotype and generalize over an entire generation, but I think impatience is a big thing. And, and generally, I guess my outlook on that is that we can't really choose when kind of that success happens. We can only just keep on working towards it. And so that's why I say it's a, if it's not an if, but when. And also this idea of cogs where, you know, as you improve on the game, it's not linear. I could be working on five things and I could still be getting the same result. And only until I get the sixth thing and, and viewing it similar to like cogs in the machine, does everything click and I'm able to beat players, you know, and, and take names and stuff like that. And so I think a lot of people expect it to be like this linear journey of, you know, oh, I worked on my ledge dashing or I worked on my punish game. Why am I still getting, why am I still going two and two in bracket? And it's like, you know, you, do, you don't have the right to choose when you get that boost. It's, you don't have the right to choose at all in life when, when that sort of turnaround will happen. You can only just keep on adding more to your skill until something clicks. And something that you and JD have talked about before that resonated with me, I as you know, and you're getting more of that here, I tend to try to be a more of a positive person, but that also means that I have a tendency to try to ignore to the detriment of myself and people around me, something that's a negative force. So something that I think it's not just specifically, I don't want to give you too much credit, but I love hearing you talk about when when things are, are bad, when it's on the low end of that cycle, that you're honest about where you are and honest about how you're feeling in those times and saying, you know what? Yeah, right now sucks. This sucks. W whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to me, and I'm sure it's helpful to, uh, to others who have heard the podcast, that you don't stay there. You just have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, yeah. And it, it's frustrating at times too. I, I don't want to make it sound easy because you don't know when things will change either. I think that's the tough thing. That's where, where people get caught up. That's where I've gotten caught up before as well. Yeah, there's the, the nothing's written for you that you can look ahead on the script and go, oh, okay, so it's going to, no, it's, that's that's not how it works. And yeah, when you when you look back, and when I look back on my own on my own life, I go, okay, well, I certainly that <laughs> that's not how I mapped it out, but here we are, <laughs> and we just keep going. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, one that I've honestly thought about the most is uh, was you know, as I said, you know, IBW Cody's a a friend of mine, and and I you know I saw him in his early days in upstate New York, and you know, he's been open about, you know, him, you know, 
being really frustrated with the game and stuff like that early on and 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 stuff like that and i always thought that that would be kind of the block or the wall that he'd have to overcome and and truthfully and, and very happily he's proved me wrong where i've learned from him that it's it, you know this positivity is is only only works when you when you actually like mean it and and that you know you need to be able to express negative emotions to be able to move forward and if you're being positive to suppress negative emotions and frustration that only hurts your growth you know and that was one of the big things for me is i think in the early years i i tried to play it off as like i got a good mentality i'm not going to get frustrated but you know yeah you know cody proved me wrong where it was you know you need to be able to in moments as long as it's not at the detriment or mistreatment of others uh be able to express your frustrations and and anger at the game or at a situation to be able to move on shout outs to ibdw another another Great East Coast player, East Coast, Best Coast, all that's fun stuff. I'm, I know that you're over there in in NorCal now, but you get it. I'm just... yeah, East Coast is still thick. Oh, I'm Super not gonna sick. lie. Yeah, and I could ask you a bunch of questions about the current state of melee. The one that I, I don't want to say prepped you for. It's I messaged you about this today and said this would be fun to talk about if you're up to it. I didn't want to take away too many things to for you and JD to talk about on the wannabes, but this is about the announcement of Slippy Champions League and the announcement of the roster lineup of the divisions for Slippy Champions League 2. Is that yeah, something you want to get it. into? I've, I've built it enough, but you can say no if you want to. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm totally down. Let's let's get into it. We can't have... There's, there's no such thing as too much content around this as it's like by far one of the best different format competitive format uh content that we have in in the scene so let's get into it and for those who don't know or who are a little bit less familiar slippy champions league that's something that's run by bts smash beyond summit smash so shout outs to people like aiden and those sort of individuals i don't know who all else is directly super involved but i know that aiden is definitely deep in the weeds there that's someone who's working for beyond the summit in that regard. So shout outs to that entire organization though, for putting this on because the first slippy champions league happened last fall towards the end of, towards the end, like of the year, like sort of like October ish, I believe. And those matches were all really fun to watch because you had top level sets and the stream was really well done. The commentators were great. I, I learned who squid was for the first time and, now Squid is like one of my favorite commentators and, and people to watch play when whenever Squid is actually in bracket, but you get it. Yeah, no, no, big fan of Squid. He I, he gave me five bucks for a money match. So as, as in, <laughs> oh, I, let's I, go. As in I, I beat him in a money match. So I'm down. I, I'm a big fan of Squid. No, all jokes <laughs> aside, he's he I'm uh, he's a lovely person for sure. And, and a great so now we're gonna have we're gonna yes, and now we're gonna have Slippy Champions League two. So to talk about the divisions. The first division is sort of the the top top tier players. The second division is the tier just below that. As respectfully mm-hmm. as one can say, there there's there's only one number one and one number two and so on. 
but there's some there's some there's some conversations happening around the players that were chosen for each division for sure. So just to run through it real quickly, in Division One we have Zane, Mango, IBDW, Hungrybox, Ginger, S2J, None, and Wizrobe. In Division Two we have Moki, Sfat, Axe, Hacks. You know they did not. Hmm, they need to put yeah. them in different spots for podcasts. Axe as in Tempo Storm Axe and Hacks Money as in the free agent orgs should definitely take a look at signing Hacks. Sunsei and Kalamazoo. Oh, and Aklo. Shout outs to Aklo as well. Great Fox player. Also New York. Let's go. Or I should yeah. say Long Island specifically. I mean, he's kind of like the prince of New York, I'd say. So really really cool to see Aklo put into division two that was not the case last time but in starting off in division two that's really really cool they have yet to announce the last player for division two but they have picked someone the reason why plup is nowhere to be found is because they asked plup plup said no so now they they've they've selected another player for division two that has yet to be announced but those are the players that we know of now that's almost everyone and then they're also having qualifier events every Mm -hmm. week of the matches between all the players in division one division two there are qualifier events run through leffen's levo series and you can place high enough in the qualifier and try to get into division two and then potentially the next week you could be trying to win in division two and then try to get into division one and so that's why this is really exciting because it's not static it's a very dynamic week-to-week operation where players that are in the divisions now and players trying to get in it's going to look different by the end of this of these four weeks four weekends of competition Mm -hmm. So uh, what were what were some thoughts that come to you as you look at the names and everything else? What, what jumps out to you? Yeah, yeah, lots of thoughts. One first thing is I love the format. I'm a big fan of the relegation system being a big uh, English Premier League soccer fan. I think I, I like it more than, than the American sports, because, partially because of the relegation system. It means that everyone has something to fight for. And it's also very unique compared to a traditional double bracket elimination. Uh, but I see a few storylines that kind of stand out to me. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of just run through it. And then maybe whichever one jumps out to you, let me know what you think. All right. Uh, how does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So um, super excited for it. Obviously, I think the number one, one of the biggest storylines is Zane's dominance in things. So it's, it's going to be Mango versus Zane. But really, it's can Zane keep the title? You know, having won three Slippy Champions Leagues weeks in a row, right? Mango winning the other one. I think also on top of that, it's really HBox, I'd say, in Division One, along with SJ, are the two true wild cards of the division where you don't really know where they can be. You know, I can see SJ moving down to the Division Two, and same with HBox, but I can also see them making waves as well with with the right matchups and both have been performing really well, especially SJ with his Galit Melee opening. Uh, you have the story of IBW Sheik making a foray in this and also having three Falcons in Division 1, which really reflects on the rise of that character's dominance in in, in high-level Melee and the high-level Melee meta of 2021. Um, what's interesting also is that 
outside of IVDW, uh, who is switching to a dual main, which is obviously, I, don't, I can't believe I have to like say this, but like 100% in his right to do so if he thinks it's right, because he's a top three player. Uh, no debate on Twitter for it. But there are no other Foxes really there. And so all the Foxes kind of are lined up in Division 2 with all different play styles kind of mirroring uh, 2014 uh, Do You Fox With It in, in NorCal, a famous tournament that Hacks won uh, where everyone played kind of Fox and Bracket. And there was a Fox round Robin. And then like I think top six was like mostly Foxes. It was kind of like the first one of Hacks' like first eras of like 2020 you know, or 20XX Melee, and I, I'm a Fox main now. And so it kind of has shades of do you Fox with it, where we're going to see a lot of Fox dittos and see really who comes out. Um, and, and I think that's one of the storylines that as a Fox main, I'm most interested in. And then also kind of the rise of, overall, the rise of new players like Keizu and Aklo and Sunsei against a lot of the old guard. Uh, See, so it's kind of going to, depending on who the last player is, it could be split four and four. And lastly, I think one of the other things I'm looking at is really seeing who can, from that pack, differentiate from Division 2 to Division 1. And, and yeah, I think that's really, those are the kind of main storylines I'm looking at because we saw Ginger, for example... A really, really make claim in in the last Slippy League cha- Champions League uh, that he is a Division One player, and so I'm curious on who will kind of do that uh, this go around. Shoutouts to Ginger, one of the biggest grinders of the pandemic era of melee, and even though, even though. <laughs> There was that one time where it kind of got dunked on by Don't Test Me. But other than mm-hmm. that, has played really solid, has won events, and is now with Luminosity Gaming. So LG Ginger, number 28 for them. That's really cool, by mm-hmm. the way. Jersey numbers for, for melee yeah. players. Let's go. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I do love it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And there's so many storylines going in, which I feel like melee hasn't had in in a long time, honestly. Probably since probably since the five days of melee, that was sort of the end of the cease and desist arc, if you will. And it has been tough because it's sort of like the off season, if you will. There were different players talking about how much melee had been played over last summer, fall, and into December with the LACS three to cap off five days of melee. And there have been great events in the winter here and in the start of spring, spring, excuse me, Gallant Melee Open Spring Edition was super fun to watch. And S2J capped off, or actually no, S2J's won plenty of events, but this was sort of one of the bigger ones, sort of on that level of major, certainly not a super major because Mango and Zane weren't there, but there were a lot of really good players there and and S2J was really dominant. Mm -hmm. He, Wizrobe, none have all won events if i'm thinking correctly recently enough in this in this newer age since 2019 where all of a sudden captain falcon like you said is a character where everyone was going i mean it would just be so hard for captain falcon to win a major or to go all the way 
in top eight, especially when there's characters like Jigglypuff and and Fox and Falco, Falco especially since lasers, lasers. But <laughs> but S2J Nun and Wizrobe have been playing out of their minds. S2J especially more recently. So the fact that S2J is in Division One, well deserved in in my opinion. Yeah, one hundred percent. There there was no doubt he wouldn't he wouldn't be, but. Yeah, like the Falcons especially, it's, it really it feels like Sheik's kind of back in the early days of Melee where you'd see a lot of Sheik's in top eights. Sheik was kind of a perennial like top eight qualifier, whether it was through Shroomed or Plup or, you know, early day Plup, like 2015 and, and, and those players. But but now it's it's always like you can expect at least two Falcons in top eights in, in top eight. Do you want to take a stab at a guess who you think is going to be that last Division Two player they have yet to announce? Oof. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like a mix of activity and and who's been playing and stuff like that. Uh, let me let me just pull up the Galint Melee open bracket because because that is the most recent one, and I think there is going to be there is a chance for recency bias for it. Um, yes, I think uh, the the one thing the one thing I will say, Aiden's Twitter, he was saying that they actually had blind resumes, so they didn't know the name of the player. They just had results. Interesting. And, say what? Sorry, what'd you say? Oh, I said that was really interesting. I totally missed that. Yeah, yeah, and they out of six players, they chose the player that is going to be announced at some point for Division Two. So. I think that recency bias, it's not so much bias so much as, oh, okay, so this player won or placed well in these different events in the past six months, maybe, or maybe in the past year. But we haven't had a full year of rollback results yet because rollback was introduced in June of last year. Shout outs to Project Slippy, Fizzy, thank you so much, making Melee Online something more legit than it was before. Not that mm -hmm. it's absolutely the same as in person because it's not but it is certainly compared to the field compared to ultimate gosh it's fantastic compared to ultimate <laughs> no i 100 so my best guess um is I, I and i have a few theories about this um also i'm a big fan you know homie as well uh but my guess is two saint. Let's go. That's my guess too. I think it's going to be two saint for for a few reasons. One, as I said, there is going to be a recency bias with it. I think that's just natural with the way that events are going, and he's been noticeably performing and making waves in the last two months. Um, he's also the only player in the Galint Melee Open Top Eight that isn't part of the Beyond the Summit uh, Slippy Championship League. So I think that's a big thing. Um, and, and he's shown a lot of consistency recently. And I think that's really important when you're factoring in the relegation system for when you're factoring in the relegation system. Let's so go with that. That's, that's my, my theory. That's my guess too. I have it on record as well. Posted it out as a reply on Aiden's Twitter. That oh, is so that is so awesome. I would love to see Two Saint. I would love to see Two Saint put into Division Two. That would be super sick. Shout out to yeah. Two Saint. Been playing really yeah. well. I know. I, I you know, and, and again, my hearts always go to the East Coast players being, you know, always gonna be a New York player at heart. You know, Jay Mook's been doing really well, but he's he's kinda 
coming up still and, and stuff like that hasn't really made his stamp yet. So I think he's going to be one to qualify, but you know, and same with the player, maybe like Bobby, like BBB and, and a few others. Kadoran, I think is also a sleeper pick, but they just don't have that seniority and resume that I think Toussaint has shown both on LAN and recently on Slippy. I'm really excited to see all of the action unfold here in April. That's when it starts. The first weekend of April, though, and this is the last topic that I wanted to get into a little bit. You mentioned Acidics a little while back in one yep. of your super sick runs. There's actually yes. the Alston Melee Benders coming up in the first weekend of April, and it's going to mm -hmm. be a fun event. And one of the cool things, they're doing salty sweet matches, bring your own beef. I think that's what they're calling it specifically. Yeah. And one of the beefs that they're going to have is Dark Gen X versus Acidics. Oh, Giant damn. Melee first of five. What is the context here? Do you have any idea why this is a thing? They're good friends. That that they're good friends. New New Jersey are a bunch of goons and memers, and I say that with as much love as possible to the scene. I love Dark uh, Genix's memes. No, no, amazing, amazing. But no, they they really are a really tight knit group. I'm sure they've played it a lot uh, over the Slippy era and stuff like that. There would be times where Acidics would come to Hax's nightclub and stuff like that, and we'd all go out you know he we'd all go out to get each year on ramen you know shout outs to 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 that ramen spot one of my favorite ramen spot in in the city uh but yeah i think the history behind it is that they're good friends and it's a great meme and it's a different format and it kind of matches with both of their styles they're both kind of very uh aggressive and very creative and goofy players a trick tricky i'd say you know like if you know, in, in like Tony Hawk Skater, like one of the stats is like for trickiness or whatever it is. You know, I think that really defines them as players. So I'm excited for for that beef and for the Alston Melee Bender. Um, I'm hoping to to get some videos out for that and, and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. I still have to figure out what topics I want to do. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. And... Yeah, that's about it. Also, fun fact, I've never lost to Acidics. I think I'm 4-0 against him. Ooh, let's go. It's too bad you're on the West Coast. It really is. It's it's an East Coast only in terms of entering the events uh, event, but I don't know. Are all of the are all of the Sheik players that are in the J Sheik Bring Your Own Beef round robin, are they all East Coast? I know J Mook and J Flex are, but I don't know about the other three. JCAM, I think, is PR, which qualifies as East Coast. So I, I believe that they, they are. And uh, honestly, I'm going to be honest, my money's on JMook. I've seen him in a round-robin format. He was the winner of Brooklyn Kumite 3 uh, event I host, where it's literally just in my apartment. And we got 10 players to do a round-robin into a bracket uh, all in one day. And he won that only dropping a game, one game. I think he went 32 to one. So <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a wannabes episode re recapping that, but he's a absolute monster. Uh, one of my favorite, you know, people from upstate and also players to watch. And certainly if JMook is entering into the main bracket, which I really hope is the case, definitely a player to watch for potentially winning the whole dang thing yeah yeah and his history as a player is really good because what's interesting is that he always 
he was kind of the prince of of upstate outside of the Manalord, uh, who is this Falco player, uh, you know, in the era. And he was way, way more well known compared to IBDW back in the day. So that was always really, really interesting. You know, he was kind of one of the defenders of upstate for a long, long time, mostly being held by his lack of travel and, you know, being a high school kid. Uh, so super, super good player, good friend. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like if, if you want to know more, you know, Wannabes did a 1v1 on him as well. But yeah, I think he's going to go far in bracket if he's able to enter. It's one of the great memes of the Wannabes podcast. Y'all always get the up and coming players and then they make a big always. splash and you go, by the way, we already interviewed them. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Always, always. Yeah, my money's on JMook on that. Honestly, looking at the JMook flex, Salt, Knot, and Cam, my money would be on JMook. To win the J Chic round robin for Austin Melee Bender, which is coming up here in the beginning of April, first weekend of April. Okay, so that's pretty much everything in terms of other people's stuff. Let's talk about you and yeah, yeah. and wrap up here because I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Oh, You've been no so generous, but please tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. So you can find me on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, and YouTube at Wasabi Sabi. That's with two S's because my last name is Wasmer with two S's. So that's why it's. And so it's Wasabi Sabi with two S's. Don't forget it. And you can also find me at the Wannabes Podcast. So that's the Wannabes Pod on Twitter because that's the character limit. And the Wannabes Podcast on all other medias like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And YouTube. Uh, I'm the co host of that. You can join our Discord ask questions there cypher loves asking questions he always asks the best questions so i'm always thankful for you for that as you know uh, but that's how you can reach me and i'm hoping to you know while improving on the box and stuff like that stream more and play more and, and practice more and and can hopefully make some waves of my own though it's going to be a tough journey up i think one step at a time and all the links that Wasabi was just talking about right now. Don't worry. In the podcast description of this episode, as per usual, Wasabi, thank you so much for being with me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. You know, it's 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 really an amazing podcast. Be sure to follow all of his handles. Cool, cool. I love it. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. One more time, a big thank you to Wasabi for coming in and for, well, we weren't in the same room. We were still socially dead. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> we were not in the same room, I promise. We were socially distanced. And also, were you not hearing the part how Wasabi is in NorCal? I'm here in Pennsylvania, so... That's not the, okay. Discord calls are great. Craig is mostly great. Craig was actually pretty good this time around. I had to do minimal editing for the interview. So Craig is lovely most of the time. Like I said, most of the time. I don't really have a whole lot that I wanted to get into other than reaffirming that we do not yet know who the last player in Division Two of Slippy Champions League is. I'm now checking bottom of the smash mountain nope that's me i'm checking beyond the smash twitter to make sure yep they still have not announced yet who that new player who that person is going to be in division two we were talking about two saint wasabi and i both thinking it would be awesome it would be so well deserved for two saint to be the last player picked for 
the Division Two spot. But there's an equally deserving... Well, you get it. The point is, is that Impulse Ben, Team Impulse, or that's a eSports gaming organization that has Ben on their roster. Ben is a great Sheik player and also about Ben recently won a very impressive East Coast Friday bracket over Hungrybox and Ginger. Now, if you'll recall, Ginger is in Division One of Sleepy Champions League too. So this is a really, really big deal. Ben has been putting in a lot of work, a lot of work. And this is, yes, wanted to pull up the account here at Ben underscore SSBM. Impulse Esports, players in Smash Ultimate and Melee, Valorant and iRacing, all kinds of links. So that's great. They have Ben on their roster, who is a very good Sheik player. And if Ben is the selected person for Division 2, that would make Ben the only Sheik main on the entire thing. We didn't talk much about characters other than talking about the Falcons and the Foxes of the world. We didn't really highlight how there's no Sheik. You could say that IBDW, since IBDW is rolling with the Sheik for the Marth matchup anyway, and maybe not even the entire Marth matchup, maybe just for Final Destination counterpicks. I'm not sure, but all that to say, we still don't know who that player is going to be, but I hope it's Two Saint, and if it's not Two Saint, Ben, equally deserving, would be a fantastic addition to Slippy Champions League 2 Division 2. And if it's somebody else, then again, that's probably a player very well deserving to be named into the roster. And besides, there's going to be four weekends in April here going into May where we're going to have some high-level matches and there's going to be players going up and down the divisions and being pushed out entirely, have to re-qualify through the bracket. It's going to be really interesting to see how that all turns out and rolls out. And I'm excited to continue to cover it and talk about it as someone who... (laughs) is not a particularly great player as someone who is not even that good of a content creator compared to the other people out there. We have amazing content creators for Melee, especially the Wannabes podcast. So you should go check that out. Go to the Wannabes podcast on Twitter to get all the links. And I have this in the description of this podcast episode as well, where you can find just about any platform of podcasting and on YouTube to watch and listen to the wannabes content more of wasabi as well as jd who's the other co-host who i have had on back in season one of this podcast so if you want to go back and listen to that go ahead it's not quite synced up the terms of our audio but i was not doing what i'm doing now so i want to get jd back on someday that's right jd i'm calling you out to have you in oh yeah now to anyone else who might be interested in coming on or interested in giving me feedback, I'm on the Twitter, so reach out and we'll go from there. And that's pretty much it. I don't think I have anything else, so thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. How about that?